the 21st of December, 2006, episode 61. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. For every task, there is a process, and with every person, there is a different way to do everything. The key is to find what works best for you and refine your processes in order to maximize your time and become more efficient. Today I'll be going over some of the steps that I use to complete a freelance job from start to finish in hopes that some of the steps will relate to you and your workflow in some way. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So the biggest piece of news this week, and if you haven't heard this, you must be living in a cave being a designer. And you also don't check the Rookie Designer website enough. But uh, Photoshop CS3 is in beta now. They're actually letting people beta test it. And you can get it now. It's out on the Adobe Labs website. And that's going to be in the bullpen later. So it definitely will be in the show notes if you want to go grab it there. Uh, Otherwise, it's labs.adobe.com. And you can definitely go get that and play around with it. And I suggest that you do. Now, there are a couple of uh, catches to this. Actually, one major catch is you need to have a serial number for Photoshop CS2. If you do not, you could still use Photoshop CS3 beta, but you can only use it for about two days. If you have the serial number for CS2, then you can use it for as long as it's out there. So uh, definitely go get it if you you are a user of Photoshop, because it'll give you a great jump start on... uh, what's going to be new and how to use it. And I am actually doing some episodes for quick tips. I actually released one already. I just kind of looked at a couple of the new features, um, but I am going to be releasing a couple more of those to check out what's new in Photoshop CS3 and how to use it. So check those out as well. Uh, another thing that came out just recently, I think I mentioned it before, is the Quark Interactive Designer. And I wasn't really quite sure what this thing was. It was almost something I think think geared more towards video or something like that. And, uh, well, I got this Christmas card from them. It was, I don't know, it was almost like a, a flash animation card, one of those e-card type of things. And I have to say I was quite unimpressed with the thing. It's... Uh, it looked like something you could have done in Flash in about 30 seconds. So I'm not sure if that's kind of who they're trying to compete with is is the uh, Flash technology there or what's going on there. But uh, yeah, keep an eye out on that one and uh, we'll see what happens with that. If you're a user of Skype, you might need to know this. Uh, Skype out. Skype out calls is when you call out from your computer to someone else's phone. Um Skype out calls for inside the U.S. and Canada have been free this entire year, or for at least the last you know few months or something, I guess. The free calls are going to end at the end of the year, so make sure that you know that. You're actually going to have to purchase Skype out minutes uh, after that time. Something else that's uh, about to come out is Windows Vista, and uh, all, you, all you Windows users out there might be excited about this. Uh, there are quite a few features in it that I'd say kind of mirror those of the the operating system on the Mac and actually found a uh, funny video about this. Actually, I think Mac users will probably find it more funny than Windows users, but uh, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. If you are a Mac user, you must go see it because it is pretty funny. But uh, it talks about some of the new features of Windows Vista. Uh, also from Windows, the, the Zune is the new uh, quote-unquote iPod killer that came out. And uh, this, I don't know, this is something that I've been taking a little bit of interest in. Uh, there's been reports out now that it has done pretty well, but it still hasn't hurt the iPod sales. It hasn't taken iPod uh, out of the market lead in MP3 players, but uh, I did get a chance to go check one of these things out, and they are very, very cool. Um, they are kind of fat or thick, I guess you would say. But the screen on them is completely huge. You actually watch your movie sideways on them, and it's widescreen. 
and uh, just the UI, the interface of the whole thing is very, very nice. It's very nice looking. It's very uh, elegant solution, I guess you would say. And uh, I was I was surprised. They look very, very nice. But uh, we'll see how that one plays out. The next one, uh, I mentioned this last time, but uh, related to vacation. I am leaving actually today. Uh, not today because I'm not recording this on Thursday, but you're listening hopefully on Thursday or sometime after. But I'm leaving on Thursday. I'm not going to be back until after the new year, most likely. So uh, in order to fulfill that thing, we are not going to have an episode next week. And we are most likely not going to have an episode the following week. So let's see what we got here. The next week it would have been, the 28th would have been the next episode to come out. And then after that, the week after that is the 4th. Now the 4th is still up in the air, depending on when I get back and how tired I am. And I do have to go back to work that week. So um, I could possibly have one out on the 4th. If I do not, then it will definitely be out by the 11th, which is the week after that. So stay tuned for that. And I think uh, Quick Tips for Designers is pretty much on the same schedule. So um, just keep that in mind if you watch that as well. And the last thing is, uh, I couldn't have an episode without saying, tell your friends. And you know what? This one's even more important. It's more important at this time of the year. I really need your help because a lot of people listen when they're in school and, and they've gone home for, for winter vacation or whatever, and they're not listening. And uh, I really need to keep those numbers up just uh, you know, to make us look good and to uh, you know, make me want to do it. And of course, I am taking a couple of weeks off, so that that definitely uh, plays into the whole thing. But when we get back, we really need to start strong for this new year. So tell all your friends that don't know about this podcast, tell them about it. Uh, if they don't know how to get a podcast, then show them how. It doesn't, it doesn't take that long. And also, I figure a lot of you may be going home, so you might be seeing some old friends that you haven't seen in a while, people that you don't see very often, uh, friends and family. If you know people that are interested in design at all, please tell them about the podcast and uh, I would really appreciate that. So the topic that we're going to be covering today was actually suggested by one of our listen listeners, Brian, and I believe this one came from the first contest. I've had this one on, on the board for a long time and uh, his request was for me to work through a freelance project start to finish. And I, I was always kind of hesitant about this one. That's why I haven't done it until now. I was always kind of hesitant because everyone really does things differently. Everyone has their own way of doing things, like I said in the intro. But then, you know, I started thinking about it. And I'm like, well, I figured it, you, that you guys could at least pick up the basics of what I do and mold it into your own process. And maybe I'll, you know, pull out a, a couple of things that you never thought of. Hopefully not, because most of these things should be basic ideas of what you want to do. But if you've never done freelance, I guess there are some things that you might not know. So hopefully you can pick up at least a couple of tips from this, uh, if not a whole a whole new uh, light on what kind of processes you need to have in place to get these freelance jobs done effectively and efficiently and really make sure that you can you know, make the money that you need and and put out a good product as well. So I'm going to try and be as thorough as possible. And uh, I just want everybody to remember that every single job is different. So this isn't going to be like the uh, de facto process for every single thing. I can't go through every little detail and aspect of every different job that could possibly come up because there's just too many permutations there. So just bear with me. Um, I'm going to I'm going to explain as much as I can and hopefully that will be good enough. Uh, the first topic I wanted to start with is meeting the client. This is really what you want to do first. And I, I have in my notes here, meeting the client slash marketing person. There are going to be some cases, uh, they're probably going to be a little bit bigger businesses or people with more money to spend. Or maybe it's just the fact that they know that they don't know anything about advertising or marketing. Some people might actually hire a marketing person and you'll be working hand in hand with that person. So what you're doing here, first off, is meeting this person, getting a feeling for what the client is like 
or what the marketing person is like. And again, if they have a marketing person, they're not going to have final say on what the final output is, but they were hired by this company to have some input because they do have that training in advertising and marketing and that kind of stuff. So you are going to be working quite a bit with this person most likely, and they're going to have some input at least into what you're doing. So you need to get a feeling for either what the client is like, if you're going to be working straight with them, or what this marketing person is like, because it's almost like if you're working in a full-time job and you're having to deal with, uh, could be a marketing person, or it could be like your art director, or just your manager, or whatever it might be. But you know how that is. You have to build that rapport. You have to know how the person works and they have to know how you work so that you can kind of mesh together and make the whole thing work uh, without a hitch and make things work uh, that much more efficiently. The next thing after that is you need to really do your research. You want to figure out what this business does. You can't go in there blindly. You got to know what the business does, obviously, to advertise for them effectively. You need to know what they make, what they manufacture, what kind of service they're trying to provide, um, what they're trying to sell, basically. And most of the time, that's what you're doing. You're trying to sell something for them. But you need to know what they do, what the company is about, what what they're trying to portray, what kind of messages they're trying to send out. And because these are all things that are going to have to go into your design. These are things that you've got to figure out and think about before you actually end up designing anything because all these things are going to play into what your design is is trying to portray in itself or, or trying to sell essentially now if you want to dig really deep you might ask to see previous works and with this i'm talking about uh previous ads that they might have put out uh brochures that they might have made in the past uh, a very common one i think is to ask for a website most companies these days do have websites, and it's probably one of the best ways also to do some research on the company, because most company websites have an About Us section to where you can maybe read a little bit of history, uh, read their mission statement, what the company is all about, and that's going to give you a good head start on learning all these things that you need to know. But you know, you might want to also see previous artwork that has been made for them, or that they have made and try and figure out what they were trying to do in those particular situations. And you might even go as far to ask them, you know, what are the things that you are proud of? Can you show me like an old brochure that you really, really liked that you thought did the job well? And then maybe you can pick up things from that that say, okay, they like this, they like this, they don't like this. Or you could ask them, can you show me something that just didn't turn out the way you thought it would or didn't? didn't really bring in the uh, sales like you thought it would or, or something to that effect. And uh, that can show you maybe th maybe some pitfalls, some things that you don't want to do in your designs. But all just a way of trying to get a background on this company and figure out what it is, what message it is they're trying to get across. And it's really going to help you out in, in your design phase. The second one I think is pretty obvious. You need to know the specifics of the project. And this is a big one. I mean, you, you, you can always go back and ask again, but it's best to just have these things lined up, know exactly what you need so that you can go to them once and say, I need all this information to be able to work on this project. So I kind of split this up because obviously it's going to be different for different projects. So I did a few different ones. Like I said, I can't go through everything, but uh, if you're doing a print project, uh, obviously, things like the dimensions of the project are going to be very important. The number of colors that they're going to use, uh, the number of pages, that's a big one. Uh, if you're doing a book, that's a, a lot different than doing a one-page brochure, of course. Uh, even before that, maybe, ask them if they're doing professional printing. And this is usually one of my first questions when somebody says they want something made for print. I say, are you going to take it to a professional printer? Because it makes a big difference. If they're using a professional printer, then you really have to take into account things like the number of colors they're going to use. They could be doing two colors, and that's going to be a lot cheaper for them. Or they could be doing just standard four color. They could be doing four color plus a Pantone or two because they want four color and they need a couple of colors for their logo. So all very important things to figure out ahead of time. 
Whereas if they're printing it themselves or if they're going to Kinko's, that's a different story. Kinko's even, you know, I mean, some of those things are going to apply, but definitely, definitely if it's, if it's like a brochure or a flyer and they want to print it on their own laser printer, you have to take that into account because you can't do things like bleeds. Obviously you, uh, you have to make it so that it will print and still look decent on their printer. So definitely some things you got to find out there. Uh, you want to know uh, maybe about the quantities. And quantities is something that's a little bit different. Quantities and imagery, actually. I'm going to put those together. Because do they have images to give you that they're going to use in the uh, in the piece? Or are you going to have to supply those? And that brings up a whole other issue, which I'll get to in a second. But these are types of things that might actually affect how you quote the project. Whether you're going to actually supply the, the imagery yourself, what kind of quantities can make a big difference. It might not seem like it, but if you're doing a brochure that's going, they're going to print maybe 300 of them and they're going to be dispersed in maybe a couple of different cities, that's a whole lot different than if they're going to make, say, you know, three, 300,000 and disperse them all over the country. You're obviously going to want to charge a little differently in those two cases, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the imagery and the way that rights-managed photos are used. Rights-managed photos kind of go off of that scale to where you pay a certain price to use it for a certain amount of time, but it also depends on how much it's going to be used. If you're going to use it in a magazine that only has maybe 5,000 copies distributed, then it's going to cost you a lot less than if you put it in a major magazine that has hundreds of thousands of copies distributed. So those are things to think about as well. Talking about the professional printing again, too, if you're talking about things like books and stuff like that, something to take into account as well. Uh, it doesn't need to be finished in any way. Does it need to be stapled? Does it need to be, does it need binding on it if it's a book or something like that? So all good things to think about. The next is uh, the images. I said I was going to talk about that. Images is something that I usually build into the quote. Now, if I know that I'm going to be supplying the images and I have a good idea of how many images I'm going to need and where I'm going to get them from and about how much they're going to cost, I'll usually build that into the quote and just add it in there. And I will, I do have it on my contract as well. It says, you know, the images cost this much so that they know where that extra cost is coming from. If you don't know, if you don't know if they're coming from, if the images are coming from your client or from you, or if you're not sure what kind of photos you're going to need or how much they're going to cost, you probably want to put something in your contract to the effect that images are not included in the quote you may be paying more than the quote, you know, if we have to go out and buy our own, our own images, because this is something usually that you do. Uh, it's, it's very possible, but very seldom do you usually have the, the client go out and buy the images. Basically, you're just going to do all this for them and then build them at the end. But you need to let them know that, you know, there might be more costs incurred because of the fact that you don't know how much the images are going to cost. So something to add in there. Uh, another thing is copy as well. Uh, are they going to be supplying you with copy or do they expect you to do the copywriting? Some people might actually be able to, to give that service as well, but not everybody can do it. I don't do it myself. I don't profess to be a copywriter and I don't want to be one. So that's something I, I definitely make sure right up front are you guys going to have copy for me? If not, I think you need to outsource it because I do not offer that service. Something to keep in mind. If you do offer that service, that's another thing that you're going to want to add in there into the quote, of course, because you're going to be spending time doing that. The last thing uh, with the print piece, and I end up doing this a lot, and it's really just to, to save me pain, is if they are working with a professional printer, a lot of the times I will... I, I don't usually recommend printers. I have a couple of printers that I use, but they're pretty pricey because they're very, very good printers. So I usually let the, the client go out and find their own printer. Once they find the printer, I say, just go ahead and give me their information. I will coordinate with them and make sure all the files are good to go. And uh, it's just better than working with the client and having that metal man there 
and not really knowing if if everything's going right. I mean, you could be conveying a message to them and they could be sending it to the printer and, and getting something wrong. And then, you know, it could be construed as something that's your fault. So I think it's better to work with the printer yourself. Um, you obviously don't have to do that. And you can take yourself out of the entire printing process altogether. But I usually think it's good. I mean, if you want to make your customer happy and they are using a printer, at least try and get some kind of spec sheet from their printer so that you know how to set up the files exactly correctly so so that they don't get any more costs from their printer for you know, rearranging things or whatever. The next one is a web project, and this is obviously quite a bit different. But one of the similarities, I think one of the first things you want to find out is how many pages the website is going to be. It's going to give you a better idea of how much content you're going to have to come up with, or how many pages you're going to have to design, I guess you'd say, and uh, how huge the website might be. Because it definitely makes a difference if you have a five-page website as opposed to a 45-page website. Uh, another one, another question to ask right up front is what kind of technology do they want to use? Do they want just standard HTML pages? Do they want uh, some kind of dynamic content? A good example of that would be uh, maybe they want to set up some kind of store where they have like the uh, the shopping cart and the checkout and all that kind of stuff. I mean, for me, I don't even know how to do that stuff. So that's a that's a big one to ask right off the bat so that I can tell them uh, I don't actually do though. I don't offer those services or whatever. Um, it's probably not ever good to say, I don't know how to do that. Probably just say, you know, this is a service that I don't offer. You might have to look elsewhere for that, but I can do this, this, and this. Uh, other things to ask about, do they want to incorporate any video or audio? Or do they want any kind of flash, some kind of flash interactivity software type of deal, or just plain flash animation? And these are all big things because these are things that can actually drive up the price because they, they require different technology, different knowledge, and are probably going to take you more time than just straight coding HTML. After that, it kind of goes to the same things that we talked about with the print job. Uh, what colors do they want to use? How many colors? What kind of imagery? Are they going to have pictures all over the thing? Or is there just going to be kind of like one picture on each page? This is getting real specific, but sometimes you want to get that specific just to see like how it helps you estimate how long things are going to take you. Uh, of course, the copy again, they're going to have to be giving you copy or, you know, if you are one of those chosen few who can do the copywriting, then you'll have to keep that in mind as well. The, the back end on this one, before it was uh, working with the printer, a lot of times with websites, they might actually need help with hosting. Again, I wouldn't myself, I wouldn't put myself on the line and say, I think you should use this host, because if any, anything goes wrong with that host, then you could be blamed for that. So I like to uh, let people figure out their own thing there. But one thing I have done in the past is actually help them set up their, their hosting and, you know, they go through, they get their password and blah, blah, blah. But I set it up, you know, because you can't just hand them a package full of HTML files and, and image files and expect them to be able to put it up them themselves. So uh, this is something you might have to do. Uh, another thing is maintenance as well. And maintenance probably sounds a little scary. I don't mean maintenance like uh, like server maintenance or any kind of thing like that. I just mean maintaining the pages. Info gets old after a while. They might want to update some of the copy. They might want to update some of the images. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. And that's definitely something you should be able to do. And usually that, that will go on some kind of uh, hourly basis. Either that, or if there's constant updates, you might set up like a certain amount of money that you're going to get each month for making their updates for them. But uh, that's, that again is something that you would negotiate you know, at the time and, and figure out the, the different things that go along with that. Are they going to be a company that's constantly updating, uh, adding more things to their website, changing things? If so, then you might want to go that route and try and negotiate a, just a flat fee for doing it. Otherwise, if it's a small company and maybe they don't make too many changes, you might just go on an hourly basis and do something like that. But all good things to think about before the fact.
The last one I wanted to do is uh, video. And video can be very different as well. I mean, you could just be editing video that's already been shot. Uh, the route that I went here is if you're actually shooting the video, because I just had some experience with this, not myself, but uh, the person that we used at my full-time job. But the first thing that you want to uh, figure out there is what type of info you're trying to capture. And by this, I mean, what's going to be in the video. Now for my business, what we needed was just straight testimonial videos. And just by telling the guy that he already knew that, okay, it's probably going to be one person talking. They're going to be, they're going to need some kind of backdrop, maybe at their work, just something that looks stimulating, something that looks nice. Uh, there's probably going to be B-roll footage of maybe trucks going, driving around or people working in trucks because our particular device goes in work trucks. There might be some other shots of just people on the job, service workers working. So just by telling them, you know, what we needed. And I, these were all things that we brought up at first too. I mean, you obviously, you still want to get as much info as you can. For something like this, people are probably going to have a pretty good idea of what they want, but it's your idea to kind of shape that into something and, and figure out what the end result is going to be before you even go out and capture it. The next thing here would be the deliverables. And again, this kind of goes back to the same things that we've talked about and all the others. A little different though in, uh, in video is what's the final format going to be. And there's lots of choices these days. Uh, it could be HD, could just be regular broadcast TV. They could be sized down and go on the web, which is actually what we did. And these are obviously all very different. Uh, I mean, if you're doing HD, you have to start out shooting HD. Now the others, you know, you could probably shoot in some kind of HD and, and format them down to fit on these other things. But, you know, you're not going to spend the extra money to shoot HD if you're never going to be in HD. So again, things you got to think about beforehand so that you are making your process efficient and not wasting money and not wasting time. More specifics of these types of jobs would be the duration of the video. Um, are there any special effects or graphics that are required for this? Are you going to need any kind of music or soundtracks, maybe some kind of background music or something like that? And then all the regular things, of course, as well, any specific color usage. There would be copy, but it's not necessarily copy. It would more likely be scripting, any kind of script that you want to use. Uh, the ones that we did, of course, were more kind of free form because it was the people actually giving testimonials about our product. But there was some scripting done because we want them to say certain things. We want to let the other customers know about certain features that we have. So again, lots of prep work to go into it before you even start. And you got to make sure that you get all this information beforehand because it's just going to help you down the road. You don't want to be going back and forth to these people saying, uh, one more question. What do I do about this? Uh, one more question. How would you like this done? And so on and so forth. You just, it's, it's going to be counterproductive. So make sure you have all these things maybe written down somewhere. Maybe you're even going to make a form and you can give them a form to, to fill out. But best thing probably to do is just to, to meet with them somehow. Uh, it might be face to face. I actually do most of mine just through email. You could have a phone conversation, which is sometimes necessary to, to get everything that you need and, and not, you know, waste time going back and forth with email all the time. Email can be very good if people are very to the point and know what they want, but it can also be very bad if you just keep sending email after email with just little bits of information. So uh, be wary of that too. But uh, yeah, just getting all the information before you start is very important. The keys to the game. Our key command for today actually comes from something that I saw on the forum. Somebody was asking how to do a certain thing. And this is actually one of my favorite key commands. That probably sounds kind of weird, but uh, you can use this in InDesign and in Quark. And what this person wanted to know how to do and let's hope I can explain this correctly. If you have some bullet points and you know bullet points would be indented a little bit and you have 
one bullet point where the line, the sentence is so long that it wraps around to the next line, then that's that next sentence is not going to start cleanly underneath where your first sentence started. It's going to be either way over to the left side of the page or at least right underneath the bullet. So how do you move that over so that it's right in line with your other line above it? It's very easy actually and you don't have to tab, you don't have to use a tab. What you do is you put your cursor in front of the first letter on the top line that you want to line up the other line with and you use this key command. On Mac it's command and backslash and backslash is the button that also has the pipe on it which the pipe is the one that, that's just a line that's straight up and down. On the PC you're going to press control and backslash. And what this does, it just moves the, the type over so that they're both in line. And wherever you put the cursor, that's where it's going to move the line over to. Now one thing you got to remember about this is this is only going to work if your line wraps onto the next line or if you use a soft return. A soft return is when you press shift and return or shift and enter to get, to get it to the next line. If you just use return or enter, that's called a hard return and it's not going to work then because it treats them as separate lines, not as like a paragraph. So uh, that's how you do that. The next thing we want to do after we get all the information that we need for the project is prepare the quote. Prepare the estimate of how much time it's going to take us and how much money we're going to charge them. This is the fun part. And, and just another reason why you wanted to get so much information, because the more you know about how the project is going to go, what's going to be involved in it, the, the more accurate you're going to be able to quote this project. Now quoting, especially for those who are just starting out, seems to be the hardest thing to get used to. I get the question a lot just because I'm somebody talking about it, but I've seen a lot of people asking that question of other designers, how much do you charge? And you really just can't do that because everything is different. How that person works is different. What kind of jobs they're getting as opposed to what kind of jobs you're getting, that's different. So you can't just base it off what someone else is charging for their work. It is a hard thing to get used to though. And the first few times that you make a quote, you're probably going to do one of two things. You're either going to lose money, which I did on one of my first major jobs, I guess you would say, or you're going to overquote somebody and maybe run the risk of losing that project altogether because, you know, they're they're pissed because you charged them too much. Always try and be a little bit flexible on the quotes, but you know, you got to you got to stand steady a little bit because you you, you have some uh, integrity to keep up there, but um you know, it's going to happen a couple of times, so don't worry about it. The best thing that you can do to figure out what you need to charge people is to time everything. And there's there are pieces of software out there. There's I know there's inexpensive ones. There's probably free ones as well that you that can help you time the things that you're doing. Uh, you can also look at a clock. It's just not as easy. And and I'm not talking about I got on the computer at twelve. I got done and got off the computer at six. It took me six hours. That's not going to really tell you much. What you need to do is when you go into Photoshop and you're manipulating photos or you're retouching photos for the layout, that's a certain amount of time from when you start that to finish that. Then you go over into InDesign or Quark and you start laying out the pages and you start the timer then and once you're done laying out the pages and it's not just going to be one time you're going to have to go back and forth with these things but you're timing specific tasks that you're doing along the way and what this does is it tells you how long it takes you to do certain things because not every single job is going to be the same sometimes you're going to be using photoshop a lot and indesign not so much sometimes it'll be the other way around Sometimes you'll be an illustrator for hours and hours making an illustration or making a logo. So you need to know how long these things are going to take you. And that's going to help you be able to make this quote more, more accurate. And you need to time everything, even if you're doing some project for Uncle Harry. It doesn't matter. Just keep times on those things. Keep tabs on the times. Because again, the more you do this, the more you're going to get used to how much time it takes you to do a certain thing. And that's going to help you out a lot. Also for this, you're going to have to take into account what your desired wage is. And 
I went over this whole thing in one of the previous episodes. I believe it's one of the ones that's archived, one of the first 20. Again, you can get to that by going to rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. And on the top navigation bar, you click on archive. And there's a big long list of links there. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't write the titles with them, so you might have to go through and search for the one that you want. But there is one about getting paid. But anyways, uh, you go to that archive page and go ahead and download those from the links. And the process has changed a little bit from last time. I actually forgot to mention this in the news. Uh, I was actually getting charged for hosting it on the website that I was hosting before. So I quickly changed that, and now it's just a direct download. If you click the link, it should pop up a little box that says, do you want to open it or save it to disk? And it is a zip file containing both the MP3 file and uh, an HTML file that contains the show notes. So everything should be there for you. Anyways, getting back to what I was talking about. You need to figure out what your desired wage is. And first of all, that will that episode will tell you how to do that. But you, you basically have to figure out how much money you need to make to cover your overhead, which is paying for all the stuff that you need, like your computer, your programs, training, stuff like that, uh, electricity, rent, all that stuff. Plus, make enough money to make it profitable for you to be in business and to enjoy what you're doing. So... You're going to take that wage that you figure out and you're going to take the amount of time that you think it's going to take you, which you're able to do that because you've timed other things and you're going to obviously get your quote that way. Sounds very easy. It's not that easy, but uh, the more you do it, the more you're going to get used to it and you'll get to a point where you can basically just come up with a price for a certain project because you've done something you know, similar to it. And it's going to be a lot easier, I promise. The next thing you want to do is make sure that you drop a contract. A contract should always go along with your your estimate or your quote. That's how I do mine. Mine is a two-page estimate document. The first page is the contract, which tells a little bit about how much it's going to cost and some other things. Second page is my, my estimate of how much the project is going to cost and what the deliverables are. On the contract, you should make sure that you uh, include a couple of things, such as the payment schedule. And in my contract, the payment schedule includes items such as what the deposit is going to be, and make sure you always work with a deposit. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But always it, at least get 15 20% of the total. I usually do 50% myself, but make sure you get some kind of deposit in advance of actually working on the project. Uh, also, you're going to have items talking about when they're going to pay you the rest of the money. So whether it's going to be you know, when you complete the project or a certain amount of time afterwards, just make sure there's something in there about that. Uh, also, reproduction of work. This one is important because you want to retain the rights to, to use the work that you've made to be able to display it, maybe on your website or in advertising, or maybe enter it into a contest if you think it's good enough for that. Uh, also, you want to retain the rights so that they can't actually alter the work. They can't take it to some other designer and have him muck it up. You know, you want things to stay the way they are, so that's a good thing to have on there again. Uh, rejection and cancellation. Cancellation, of course, is if you're in the middle of the project, and or if they agree to the project and they sign this contract and they decide that they don't want to do it anymore, there's got to be repercussions for that. Either you're just uh, keeping their deposit, or maybe you're actually able to retain, you know, all of all of the money that they were supposed to spend on the projects because they wasted your time or whatever it might be. Um, rejection has to do with uh, basically the process that you're going to follow in, in being able to show them drafts and have them sign off on them. And then if they reject it after they've already signed off on something, then again, there needs to be repercussions for that type of stuff. So also the extra costs that can be incurred. I talked about this earlier. If you have extra costs for maybe copywriting or images that you've actually purchased yourself for this particular project, you want to make sure there's some kind of note in there that that's, that price is going to be added to the final cost of the project. 
just so that nothing is nothing is a surprise to them. You really don't want to have any surprises about the price. And, you know, it is a surprise when you quote one thing and then they get the bill and the price is different. That's why you want to make sure you label these things out, make sure that they sign it. And if they sign it, it doesn't matter if they read it and didn't see it, they sign the paper. So they're locked in. The next thing you want to do is get a signed contract and get that deposit. This is a very simple one. Do not work on the project until you have these two things, especially the signed contract. But the money, the deposit, just make sure that everything's going to go okay. The project is still going to go forward. If they're already putting their money down on the table, that means they're ready to commit to you and they're ready to, to get this thing underway. But the contract is also very important, of course, because, well, you just can't work without a contract because they could pull out at any time and basically they could waste your time and you could see no money for it at all. If they're under contract, you do have the recourse to actually take them to court and try and get that money from them. Now, yes, there are going to be occasions, probably several occasions, where the job actually isn't worth enough money for you to take them to court for it. But just having that backup is a good thing to do. And I'll break out my acronym for this one again. It was SIA, which is cover your ass. You want to make sure that there's no way that they can screw you by canceling the project or pulling out, rejecting what you did in the middle of the project or, or God forbid, at the end and not have to pay you any money. Now, if you do do this, it's probably only going to take you a couple of times of getting burned to learn your lesson. But, you know, it's just, I don't think it should be that hard to understand the disappointment, the dissatisfaction of working on something and then having it go by the wayside or being trashed and not being paid for it or not being recognized for it. Uh, I know I've had things at my full-time job that go like this. Somebody brings me an idea. I work on it. It might go back for a couple of revisions. I get either halfway done with it or maybe completely done with it. Everybody's happy with the outcome. Uh, somebody sends an email to show it to somebody else who wasn't in the whole process, and they say, no, we can't use this. So it goes in the trash. So I just spent a couple of hours on something that will never be used, and it just sucks. It totally sucks. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's the least of your problems. If you're freelancing and you're living, you know, from paycheck to paycheck, you're paying your bills with this stuff, you can't afford for things to get trashed in the middle or God forbid after you finish it. So make sure you have that contract. It just keeps people honest and it gives you, again, it gives you the backup there, but also the deposit is very important as well. I, I told you before, I actually make people give me 50% of the total estimated cost as my deposit. And that says to me that they're serious. Something you might want to do if you're just first starting out is make that a little bit lower at first Maybe once you get to know the clients, maybe you make it a little bit higher, or once you get a little more experienced, make it higher. But again, it's just, I know somebody is going to be serious about finishing a project if they're willing to give me half the money before I do anything. And, and that's the bottom line there. So, so just to take that as whatever you want to take it as and uh, do your own thing, I guess. So we're pretty far into this episode and I haven't even started the project yet. That's going to be one of our next phases here, but uh, I think I'm going to have to end this one and we're going to split it up into two. So when we come back next time for the next episode, we will actually get into the nitty gritty of doing the project and getting it finished and getting paid. Of course, the best part. So uh, yeah, we'll do that next time. Now, that's what I call a rookie mistake. Our mistake tip for today is to, to not take any job for granted. Just because maybe a job only pays $100 or $200, it doesn't mean that you can skip these steps. You always need to go through this same process. First of all, if you, if you own your own business, which if you're a freelancer, you most likely own your own business, it needs to be organized. And it needs to be organized to ensure that, first of all, that a quality product is going to be the result. And also that you won't be losing money. 
And if you start skipping steps, things can happen. If you skip steps in the design process, you're not going to come out with something as good as if you follow all those steps. And of course, those steps will be going over in the next episode. But as far as, as business goes, I mean, you can't, you can't not do a contract just because something's $100 and oh, you figure, oh, well, they'll pay me because it's only $100. This is where you start getting into problems. So just make sure that you set up your process and you follow it to the T every single time and things will work out a lot better for you. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. So I already told you about the website that we're going to be using today for the bullpen, and that is labs.adobe.com. This is a great website, and I'm really, really happy that Adobe has started to do this. And even more exciting is the fact that they actually put Photoshop CS3 up here as a beta and let people use that. Just the fact that they're willing to put things up and let people check them out and use them and, and let them know what they like and what they don't like is, is very cool to me. And I wanted to point out there's another application up on that website. It's called Cooler, and that's spelled K-U-L-E-R. And we were talking about color in the last episode, and we were using a little application that would help you choose colors. And that's actually what this application does as well. It's another Flash-based application. And I think it's actually, it looks better. I think it actually functions a little better than the last one we were using as well. Um, Definitely check that thing out too if you need to uh, to have some inspiration as far as picking colors or you just need some help picking colors that go well together. Uh, check that out. Again, that's called Cooler. And the website again is labs.adobe.com. Once again, I just want to point out that the first 20 episodes are available. These are the ones that we're taking off the feed, so you won't be able to get them automatically in your aggregator in iTunes or whatever you listen to this in. You have to go to rookiedesigner.com slash rookie, and then you're going to click on the archive button that's at the top navigation, and you're going to see a big long list of links, 1 through 20. And if you just click on those, it'll download a zip file that has the MP3 file for the podcast and an, also an HTML file that includes the show notes for that particular show. So uh, download those and enjoy. Again, if you can, when you go home and you see those people that you maybe haven't seen in a while, tell a friend, tell a relative about this podcast. If you think they'll be interested at all, let them know if they don't know what podcasts are. And even if they don't want to listen to this podcast, if they don't know what podcasts are, please spread the word, show them how to subscribe to some, and uh, get as many people listening to podcasts as you can. If you want to contact us, you can do that. Actually, contact me. You can email me at adam at rookiedesigner.com. You can go to myspace.com slash rookiedesigner if you're into the MySpace thing. You can use the call-in line, 619-573-4043. Add the one and the country code if you're outside the United States. And you can also Skype me using the username TitanStrides. Both that and the call-in line will go to a message machine where you can leave me a voicemail. And as always, you can go to the forums, and that's the best way to do it. There are hundreds and hundreds of designers up there that you can talk to, ask questions of, and uh, all that great stuff. So definitely go up there and check that out. Register if you haven't already. I just want to remind you one more time, I am going on vacation, so next week we will not have an episode. And the following week, we also may not have an episode. So the 28th, no episode. The 4th is iffy. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, If we do have it, again, it's going to be the second half of this discussion, and we're going to be going through the whole process of actually designing the piece and uh, giving it to the client and getting paid for it. So good stuff. All right, so that's about it for this one. I want to wish everybody happy holidays, and just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high. 